We are in Philippians 3.17. Going all the way to chapter 4, verse 1. So, if you guys remember last week, um, we talked about legalism. Uh, we talked about moving forward in Christ. And we talked about uh, how we're not saved through works. And so uh, this week, we're going to be talking about living the Christian life and um, how to walk and the stuff that God has supplied us with. Because really, he has supplied us with everything that we need to live this life, to walk this walk. And some of the things that I wrote down, I wrote down six things, uh, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, Jesus, our compassionate high priest. We have the power of God. We have the knowledge of God. We have prayer. We have church. We have each other. And um, if you look at the Holy Spirit, uh, just in Luke eleven thirteen, he says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more... Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God wants to give us His Holy Spirit. He'll give it to those who ask Him. That's something He wants to give you. Something we can ask for. John fourteen sixteen through 17. And, uh, actually, I'm going to be going through a lot of verses. You guys don't have to flip to them. I'll, f- I'll flip to all of them. I'll be the flipper. You guys be the listeners. So... You know, if you want to write them down, write them down. But I'll do I'll do all the flipping. Uh, John fourteen sixteen through seventeen, he says, and I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper that He may abide with you forever, the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. He dwells with you and will be in you. So whoever asks, he wants to give us the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is going to dwell with us and it's going to dwell in us. And not only that, John 16, 7 through 15 says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However... When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So he's going to give us the Holy Spirit freely to those who ask, right? 
the Holy Spirit's going to live in us and around us. And the Holy Spirit's going to declare righteousness to us and always declare what the Father says, pointing us back to the Father. Right? To help to teach us, to help us to know right and wrong, to live our daily lives. The Holy Spirit. He's given us the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says this all scripture is given in by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work right he's given us the Holy Spirit he's given us the word of God to be fully equipped right not only that he's given us Jesus our compassionate high priest. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So not only do we have the Holy Spirit, not only do we have the word of God, but we have Jesus as our high priest who sympathizes with us because he came down as a man and he knows that what we're tempted with. And he says he will help us in our time of need. We also have the power of God and the knowledge of God. Second Corinthians 13.4 says, For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Colossians 1.10 and 11. says this that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy right so we have the power of God in our weakness we have God who wants us to increase in the knowledge of him to help us, right? The, this study, I actually got to study so much for it. I, got to, um, I didn't have to work uh, or I didn't get to work, whichever way you look at it. But I was able to spend hours 
just reading and spending time with God and getting to know him better and better. And the more time I spent and the more you get to know him, just the more joy you feel towards him. Still, you know, even though going through this stuff, I'd still argue with my wife and everything and still, you know, I I didn't become perfect. (laughs) But, you know, God was there helping me and it was like, you know, things just were able to calm down better. God was there. He was speaking to me. His Holy Spirit was in me. And I was like, okay, you know what? It's cool. So those fights that could usually last a day were like five minutes. Okay, we'll make up. You know, you know the more I spent time with God, the more I was filled with God, and the more that I gained knowledge of God, and the more it was just like, you know what, things are just, they're just easier to deal with. Things are just easier to deal with. And you're just, you're full of joy. And you're full of happiness. And you can't really explain it. It's hard to explain it. But I know it came from spending time with God. That's what I know. I spent past three days, hours, spending time with God. And was just filled with joy. Um, <clears throat> prayer. God gives us prayer. In Ezra 8.23, he says, So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayers. Are we men who pray? Do we believe that God will answer our prayers? You'd be surprised how many people I talk to that laugh when I say, Oh, you should pray about it. Oh, you should do this. I was talking to a guy. At, I was working with a man last week, and he was talking about his hands, how they hurt, how they hurt. And then um, he kept complaining about, oh, my hands, they hurt. They hurt. Oh, I just got shots in my wrists. My hands hurt. They hurt. And so then I, I was praying. I was like, oh, okay, Lord, you know, maybe I can use this opportunity to pray for him. And, um, you know, he says he's a believer. So... The, the next time he said, oh, my hands. <laughs> I said, hey, man, do you want to pray? And he go, he looked at me and he goes, pray? That's not going to do anything. I just need to wait for this medicine to kick in. He got the whatever kind of shots. He said, I just need to wait for it to kick in. In, in a day or two, it'll kick in and I'll be fine. That That's not going to do anything. Like, okay. You know, do you guys believe in the power of prayer? Have you guys seen the power of prayer working in your life? I've seen it, and I know it works. And so, in fact, I called Bryson, and me and Bryson, whether this is me, we didn't mean it to be mean, but we prayed that he, that the medicine wouldn't kick in, and that he'd have to call out for God to be healed. So, I don't know what happened with that, but, you know. Do we trust that our prayers are being heard by God? Do you trust that your prayers are being heard by God? In Psalms 6-9, David's crying out in repentance. And he says, The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. In Jonah 2, 1 and 2, he says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord, because of my affliction, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried, and you heard my voice. Okay, he was running from God. 
And finally, he cried out to God. We can cry out to God wherever we are, even if we're running to him, when we're ready to look back, when we're ready to say, oh, Lord, I've made a mistake, right? The Lord wants us to pray. He wants us to cry out to him. Do you guys believe that your prayers are heard? In Colossians 4.2, it says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. God wants us to be fervent in our prayers, right? In James 5.16, he says, Confess your trespass to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. There is power in our prayers, guys. And then the sixth thing, the church and each other. Okay? Again, Romans 5.16, confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We have each other. We can come together. We can pray for, it, for each other. God wants us to come together and pray for each other. Right? Romans 12.4 and 5. For as we have Many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Okay, we all have different functions in the church, but we can all come together and use them to edify one another. Right? Okay? God has supplied us with all these different things. Right? The Holy Spirit. Prayer. Jesus, his word, right? Are you guys willing to use these things? Are you guys praying? Are you using your word, right? Are you asking God to fill you with his spirit, right? Are you wanting to learn more about God, right? Are you willing to let God change you? Are you willing to take action, to go, to run, to wait, to pray, right? In this world full of obstacles, every once in a while we're going to have to jump over something, right? And so why do I bring all this up? Why did I bring up that list of things? Because in the next section of Philippians, we see that they're talking, he's talking about carnal living, worldly living, living for yourself. And, you know, why did God give us all these tools? to use did he give them to us so that we could just live however we want so that we could just seek our own worldly lusts you know why does god tell us to seek to knock to press on to move forward to fight the good fight to abide to repent why does he tell us all these things if he doesn't want us to do them why does he give us these things why does he want us to ask for the holy spirit if he didn't want to fill us with the holy spirit Right? So, today, think about that. You know, how am I living? Is this the way that a Christian should walk? Why am I not using the things that God has supplied me? Right? God gave them to us for a reason. God wants us to draw near to him. He wants us to live like Christians. 
He wants us to be sorry for our sin. He wants us to be sorry when we sin. Like in uh, Genesis 4-9, when Cain uh, kills his brother, and he said, and God's talking to him, and he's asking him, hey, where's your brother? And he's seeking for Cain to repent and to tell him what's happening. But instead, Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? Right? There was no repentance. God wants us to be repentant. God wants us to draw near to him. He wants us to be sorry for our sin. Okay? So we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into uh, Philippians 3.17. And um, while we're praying, we're actually going to pray for um, a couple things. Also, uh, Frank has a a relative, a seven-year-old boy, who has to go into surgery um, today and tomorrow. So we're going to lift that up. And then also Bryson's brother, they're running out of time. They have to move out of the hospital. And so the, the baby is going to stay there, but they have to move out and travel back and forth. So, uh, Lord, we thank you so much for this study. We thank you that we can come together, Lord, and, and pray one to another, Lord. And right now we lift up um, this little boy, uh, seven-year-old boy, Lord, that's going through these surgeries, Lord. We pray that you'd give the doctors wisdom when they're uh, removing these bumps. And we pray that uh, you'd be comforting the parents and you'd use this to um, for your glory, Lord. We know that uh, you seek to draw us all to you, Lord. And we pray that through this, they'd be drawn to you. And um, we just pray that you'd heal that little boy, Lord. Uh, and also, we lift up uh, Bryson's brother, uh, Tyson and Jessica, and the, and the baby. And um, we pray that you'd heal the baby, Lord, and that, again, you'd be using this for your glory, Lord, to lead people to you and uh, to show people how good you are, Lord. And uh, we pray you just give um, Tyson and Jessica comfort also and uh just give them uh, wisdom and a way to get back and forth safely to the baby, Lord. And we love you, and we lift this and this study up to you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right. So Philippians 3.17, 4 through 1. Or, sorry, 3.17 through chapter 4, verse 1. I should probably turn to the page. It's always helpful. All right. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working of by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, 
So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Okay? That first verse there, verse 17. Join in following my example. And note those who so walk. So then how, how did Paul live? What was his example? I mean, in, in 1 Corinthians 1.11, he says, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Okay? Who was he? How did he live? Well, he was an evangelist. He was bold. He was unashamed. He lived to magnify Christ. And he died to magnifying Christ. You see that? Just look back in Philippians 1, 20 and 21. It says, According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Okay? He put others first. Philippians 1, uh, or I'm sorry, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. He was hardworking. Acts twenty thirty. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. He wasn't a complainer. Philippians 2.14 Do all things without complaining and disputing. Simple. He didn't care who you were. Galatians 3.28 There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female. For you are all one in Christ. He was ambitious. He was always striving to move forward in his relationship with Christ. Philippians 3.13-14 Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of upward call of God in, G- in Christ Jesus. Right? That was last week's study. Okay? He was always rejoicing. Philippians 4.4 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He was full of love for the church to teach, to instruct, to exhort, and to comfort people. First Thessalonians 
2, 8 through 12. See if I know where it is. I do know where it is. You guys thought I didn't. Two, eight through twelve. Here's my tab. All right. So, affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil. For laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God, you are witnesses and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believed. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And that's just... Some of the things. You guys could go through all the books Paul wrote and see many more characteristics of Paul. But it was all through Christ in him. Right? Colossians 1.27, Christ in us, the hope of glory. It was Christ in him. And that was what was manifested through him. That was what was magnified through Paul's life. Jesus was magnified through Paul's life because Paul's life was in Christ. Right? So that's how Paul did. That's how Paul lived. And that's how Paul says we should live. Right? Use me for an example, Paul says. Imitate me as I imitate Christ, Paul says. Right? But not only that, okay, Will you be an example? Because you're called to be an example. Right? In 1 Timothy 4.12-16, it says, and I'll tell you what it says. <laughs> I got so many tabs that I started to lose them. Oh, here it is. All right. In 1 Timothy 4.12 through 16, he says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gifts that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. 
Give yourselves entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Okay, we're called to be an example, right? Paul's our example. God's living through Paul. God wants to live through us. And we are called to be an example. And if you feel like, man, I am not an example. And you know what? I don't know what gifts I have. And uh, no one's ever prayed over me. Well, you know, after the study, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray that God would fill you with the Spirit. We'd love to pray that God would show you the gifts that, you know, He has put in you and that God would uh, use you in the way that He wants to. But, you know, let's be an example. Let's think about that. Let's think about, am I an example? Am I an example? Do I want to be an example? Okay, because no matter what, if you come to church, people are looking at you like you are an example, whether you think or believe that you are or not. If you come here, you've already made yourself an example of what a Christian is and how a Christian walks. Okay? Verse 18 through 19 in, uh, in our study, Philippians here. He says, For many walk of whom I have told you and often told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whom whose end is destruction whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who set their mind on earthly things okay these guys are bad examples okay remember last week we talked about the legalistic people so these people are the complete opposite of that. These people are indulging themselves in whatever sin they want, in whatever their flesh desires. Right? When it says uh, in chapter in verse 19, their God is their belly. It's talking. It's not only just talking about eating. It's talking about the feeding, uh, feeding all the appetite of their flesh, just whatever they want, what any desire. You know, liberty, right? And it's funny, I was thinking about this word liberty. And most of the time, when you talk to somebody and they're saying it, you know, talking about their liberties, they're usually talking about how far they can get, how before it's, you know, completely unrighteous or before it's sin. You know, an instance like, oh, alcohol, how much they can drink before they're actually drunk or being able to smoke or what kind of music or movies or boyfriend and girlfriend relationships and, and so on. All their liberties of, uh, you know, how, how far to the fence can I come? You know, can I, can I walk the fence? But w- what is liberty? Liberty is freedom. So freedom from what? Is it freedom from God? Freedom from sin? Freedom from law? Freedom to do? To be, to live, however you want. Well, let's look in Leviticus chapter 25. You can actually turn there if you want to. Verse 
Leviticus chapter 25, verse 8. And you shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years, and the time of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be to you forty-nine years. Then you shall cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month on the day of atonement. You shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land. And you shall consecrate the 50th year and and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you and each of you shall return to his possessions and each of you shall return to his family. That 50th year shall be a jubilee to you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows. Of its own accord, nor gather the grapes of your un- untended vine. For it is the jubilee, it shall be holy to you, you shall eat its produce from the field. In this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his possession. Okay? In the year of jubilee, this 50th year, what would happen is when they went to the promised land, they were each given, each family was given land to have, to keep in their family. That would always be in their family, right? But the land wasn't theirs, it was God's. And God would allow them to sell the land, but it wasn't really a sell, it was more like a lease. And you could lease the land, but then at the end of the the 50 when uh on the 50th year the year of jubilee the land would come back to the family or any time in between that if you wanted uh if you sold your land to somebody and you couldn't buy it back then your brother or your closest kin could buy it back for you at any time but in the 50th year no matter what the land came back to you you got the land back right or if you sold yourself as a slave in that 50th year, you were given back to your family. You were no longer a slave anymore, right? So, and it started with the Day of Atonement, okay? The Day of Atonement was when they'd make atonement by sacrificing the animals for your sin, right? So, that year of Jubilee, it was freedom from the weight of sin, It was freedom from the debt of the law. It was freedom from slavery. Right? It was a relaxation of all your debts. You were totally free from your debt of the law. Right? In Luke 4.18, Jesus, he's actually quoting from Isaiah 61, uh, verse 1 and 2. This is what it says. He says, uh, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And uh, at this time, he was in the synagogue. They handed him the, the prophet Isaiah to read. He read that. He closed the book, and he sat down, and everybody stared at him, right? Whoa. Okay. Galatians 5.1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Our liberty, our freedom, is from the debt of sin. Sin leading to death, right? From the fear of death. We have freedom from the fear of death. We have freedom from the works of the law to obtain salvation. We have freedom from bondage to sin. We are free to live for Christ. We're free to draw near to Christ. I read you that whole list of stuff that Christ supplies us with, that God supplies us with, the Holy Spirit, prayer, His Word, right? We have freedom, freedom to draw us closer to Christ. When I was thinking about liberty also, I was thinking, okay, what kind of liberties did Jesus practice when He walked the earth? The liberty to heal someone on the Sabbath day. The liberty to eat and drink with sinners. You know, everything he did was to glorify the Father. Everything he did was to draw people to the Father. Those were the liberties he used. Why are the liberties we want to use stuff that wants to separate us from the Father? Why do we want to see how far away we can get from the Father? How come we want to see, you know, what can we get away with? How far can I go? Right? You guys remember atonement? That was the starting of the Jubilee. Atonement means to make at one. To atone is to suffer the penalty of sin by removing the effect of sin from the repentant sinner, allowing them to be reconciled to, to God. Okay, the key word is repentant. Leviticus 23.19 says, Any person not afflicted in soul on that same day She'll be cut off from his people. Okay, so talking about if they weren't afflicted in soul, if they weren't saddened by their sin, God said, cut them off from the people. Cast them out, right? So on that Day of Atonement, which they had uh, every year, they had a Day of Atonement, if a person was not humbled by their sin, if they were not sad by their sin, he said, cut them off, cast them out, Right? If we don't repent, if we're not sorry, if our sin doesn't make us sorry, okay, if we live in our sin, if we desire to live in our sin, then it's just like verse 18, the bottom of verse 18 says, we make ourselves to be enemies of the cross of Christ. Right? whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. Have you guys ever gloried in your shame? I remember a long time ago, like when I was, like, got saved and then kind of fell away. 
I would glory in my shame. I'd glory in my sin. I'd, I'd sin, and I'd go, oh, I feel so bad, and I'd tell someone, man, I did this. And really, I didn't care. I just felt kind of bad because God was working in me. People were praying for me. But, you know, I desired to do my sin, and I, and I would do it. And then I would tell somebody, oh, man, I did this. And then, um, and then I'd do it again, and then I'd do it again, and then I'd do it again. And really what I was wanting is just to, um, for the conviction to go away. And eventually it did until I really got saved about a year later. But, you know, the whole time it was just like, oh, yeah, I'm glorying in my shame, telling, oh, this is what I did, you know. And... Um, in fact, I had a, a really good friend of mine. He he called me up a couple days ago. I hadn't talked to him in about two years. And he uh, he went on a... He, he did some pretty bad stuff. You know, his, his wife ended up having to leave him. And um, he got into pr- some pretty heavy stuff, I'll say. But he called me. It's been about two years, and he's telling me that he, he just got out of rehab and um, and how hard everything is and and this and that and and he's but he's back to the same place where he was and he feels like a slave and I was telling him, hey man, you need to go, you need to you need to get out of there. Is there a Christian brother or a strong Christian family you can go stay with and and seek the Lord and be led to the Lord. And he's like, yeah, yeah, and you know, everybody's telling me to go, everybody's telling me to go, but you know, I got my business here, and so I just kept encouraging him. Well, you know, you know, it's been two years, and and why are you calling me now? I'm telling you to go, and everybody else is telling you to go. Maybe God wants you to go. You know, don't don't look at your business. Just go seek Jesus like a precious jewel. Just go. You know, if there's sin in your life, cut it off. Get out of there. Go. Move forward. Press on. Fight the good fight. I kept telling him over and over, go, go, go. And then he just said, yeah, you know, you know, I was, I was weeping yesterday. And he just kept going back to, oh, you know, you know, I, I feel like a slave. And it's like, hey, man, you can weep all you want. You can weep every day. But if you're not willing to go and get away from your sin, you know, I don't know what to tell you, you know. And he goes, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to leave. And I said, hey, you need to go right now. Get in your truck while I'm talking to you and just go. Don't look back. Go. And he said, you know what? I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. And I haven't talked to him since. You know? He just wanted to call me and glory in his shame. You know? Oh. All I can do is pray for him, you know? Like I said before, sometimes there's obstacles and we got to jump. It says, you know, don't set your mind on earthly things. Luke 21:34, but take heed to yourself lest your heart be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. That could be the day of the Lord, that could be your death. Right? One of those days is going to come. Don't let it come unexpectedly. Don't live for the world. Don't be afraid to go. Other verses 
warning about worldliness. I'm not going to go through them, but I'll read them to you in case you want to write them down. Romans 12, 2, Titus 2, 12, James 4, 4. Verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Our citizenship is in heaven. That's why, back there in Leviticus, that's why the land was leased. Because God wanted them to always remember that that wasn't their home. That land wasn't permanent. Because their citizenship was in heaven. And that was temporary. Right? Do you guys know today that we are citizens of heaven? There's nothing on this earth worth staying here for. Right? No land, no nothing. Okay? Don't forget that. Our citizenship is in heaven. Verse 21, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Okay, look at this, 1 Corinthians 35 through 44. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 35 through 34 he says, but someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be. But mere again, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases. And to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men and another flesh of animals, another of fish and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. Okay, celestial would be heavenly bodies, terrestrial would be earthly bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Right? So here in verse 21, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. There is our earthly body we have now and there is our spiritual body which we will have in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our new body awaits us when we go to heaven. These things we we need to remember. There's so many people in the church with hurt backs, hurt knees, hurt, all over the place, everywhere. And I know this is something they look forward to, you know? Our citizenship in heaven and our terrestrial body transformed into a celestial body, right? Therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and crown... 
So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Stand firm. Okay, stand firm in the Lord. We have everything to come to God. We have everything that he supplied us to walk the walk, right? So let's stand firm and not forget these things. Let's use our liberties as freedoms to draw near to Christ, not to see how far we can go away. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this study, Lord. We pray that you would just continue to speak to us and to draw us closer to you, Lord, and that we would always choose you in everything that we do, in every choice that we make, Lord, always remembering where our home is. And we love you, Lord, and we thank you again. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.